0: To Gibraltar Stories, a podcast which shares interesting stories connected to Gibraltar. My name's Lindsay Weston. I've been living in Gibraltar for almost 10 years, and during that time, I've discovered more and more about this tiny and very special place. Its history, its people, famous visitors, and its role in important events on the world stage. From Darwin and the Neanderthals to James Bond, and from cybersecurity to fashion design, Gibraltar may be small but it has a lot of stories to tell. This skull, Darwin held it in his hands and he he talked about the, the magnificent Gibraltar skull and so it was almost complete. So it was almost giving people an idea of what these people were like and the, how different they were from us.
1: The, the strategic position
0: always matters in terms of how um, Others view Gibraltar and the interest that can be gained out of control of, of, of the place.
1: Never, I was ever going to think that I would be making a dress, and it was going to be Cayenne, and she was going to be there in the Miss Well Panja <laughs> and she was going to win. So um, basically, yes, I cried loads. <laughs> We're punching above our weight massively. You know, this is. Just... It's like everything. You look at the Gibraltar Football Association, the same thing. You, t- you cannot, again, wear a pool of 30,000 people, and you can only pick your team of 30,000 people. So then you go to UK, and there are millions of people there. But to be up at the same level, I think, is amazing. Everybody was rather excited about the whole thing, obviously, it's especially because it was a Bond movie. Um, and you know what we're like in Gibraltar. We're very proud when whenever... Our rock is used for anything, so everybody was very excited, I think everybody felt a little bit like a star and it's great fun to be on the other side of the cameras.
0: I say it's a microclimate within a microclimate, a microclimate is when you get small changes in a short space and you know Gibraltar itself we know is very different from like Spain, it never gets quite as hot as nearby Spain or Morocco, it never gets quite as cold in the winter there's only been one time that there's ever been an air frost that's
1: been recorded i arrived here and i looked at, at uh, marina bay and i went ah now that's where my uh, the the, mur- the murderer's y- uh, yacht is moored and that's where that seven that flat over in neptune house and that's the runway thrum- that's where the chase takes place so it's wonderful
0: Welcome to episode 9 of the Gibraltar Stories podcast. With 120 days left to go until the arrival of the biggest sporting event to come to the Rock, construction is going on at full tilt here at Europa Point and at Lathbury Barracks to get the new facilities ready in time. The Gibraltar 2019 NatWest International Island Games will see 2,500 visitors from 24 different islands arrive here in Gibraltar in early July. Gibraltar stepped in to host the Games after two other islands pulled out. I went along to the Games headquarters to speak to chair of the organising committee, Linda Alvarez, about the huge preparations that are going on, why Gibraltar competes when it isn't actually an island, and how the competition first started.
1: Well, really, what happened is in 1985, a group of um, islands around the British Isles decided that they want to compete at some tournaments, um, and so they sort of got together and had like an inter-island games, and from that it's developed to an island games. Now, this happens every two years, where the games go to different islands, um, not just the British Isles, into Europe now, and we also go further down south to the South Atlantic and to the Caribbean Sea. Um, there are actually 18 sports that can be competed in. Um, every island will choose between 12 and 14 of the sports. And it, can, it happens for about eight days, between seven and eight days, so every two years.
0: Now, I've, I've got to point out something quite obvious, and that's that Gibraltar's not an island. So how did Gibraltar get involved?
1: Well, in 1985, when we applied to join the, um, the Island Games, um, the frontier was co- closed. And so we were very lucky, I think, at the time, where they were trying to get a lot of islands to join them because it had just started. And so they actually accepted the fact that um, we had sort of really, a, as a closed frontier and the three sides by water, that we were sort of politically an island, and so they allowed us to join.
0: And how's Gibraltar's record been right the
1: way through up until now? Do we have great success? Or? Well, you've got to realise that there's lots of big islands there. There's lots of small islands. It's quite a mix. We usually come, because there's actually 24 islands in the game, so we usually come sort of halfway. Um, and, you know, we do, some years we do better than others, and it just depends to a certain extent on what sports are in the games as well. Um, but, you know, for such a small island, we do very well.
0: Yeah, we often hear, you know, about Gibraltar punching above its weight with a population of, you know, just over 30,000 people. We we do do very well, don't we?
1: Yeah, you know, obviously, um, for some reason, certain sports are, shall we say, get more medals than others. Um, But, you know, for for me, it's not just about the medals. I think uh, Gibraltar Um, is very good at sports in general, there's a high percentage of um, people that participate in sports and for us as well, it's like so, you know the island games is a bit like going to the olympics because we you know the, the island games is our standard is something that we can achieve and it's we, you know the island games is is a good ambassador for gibraltar that so we go out there we promote ourselves uh, not just in sport but our attitudes our beliefs something you know we tell a lot about gibraltar when we go out so you know and for athletes you need something to aspire to you need something to aim for and and this is really the level that we can achieve and you know some years we do better than others and um you can only ask somebody to do their best i think if they if they do their best then as far as i'm concerned that that's um that's what it's all about now this year is a very
0: special year for gibraltar because gibraltar's hosting it how did that come about because i believe it should have been somebody else who was hosting it
1: in Originally it was supposed to be the Faroe Islands, they pulled out. Then it was going to be in Menorca, and then they decided for various reasons they couldn't hold it. So when we were in Jersey in 2015, you know, we heard this news... And our um, Minister for Sports then, Mr Stephen Linares, sort of approached me and he said, well, look, you know, why don't we go for this? And I'm sure we could do it. He got approval from the government here back home. And sort of we approached the executive and then and said, well, look, you know, we think we can do it. So um, although we've had a shorter period of time in which to arrange it, but um, everything's going along, you know, quite quickly now. <laughs>
0: I can imagine it's an absolutely huge undertaking because not only are you having to manage the athletes and their accommodation and all that kind of thing, you've got the, the venues for the actual events and, and then everything else that
1: goes with putting on a huge event like this.
0: What's it like having to sort of mastermind the whole thing?
1: Well, I, you know, I think I'm lucky in the fact that I've been involved in the Games. For- you know, since it started, really. You know, I participated in 1987 as a badminton player. So I've gone through the roles of being a, a player, a team manager, you know, secretary. I was involved in the games when we held it here in 1995 as well. So I've got a lot of good knowledge built up for those games, so I, I really know what we have to achieve and what we've got to do. Plus, I've also... Um, developed a good team around myself and also with the GSLA staff as well. So we've got a good team working together. You know, people think it's just sports, but like you say, it's not just sports, it, it's everything else. You know, for example, we have to house at least two and a half thousand people. Now we've only got rooms in hotels for about 700. So, luckily for us, the government of Gibraltar have, you know, loaned us, shall we say. ...the uh, houses and the flats at Europa Walks... ...that we've now got to turn into an actual Games Village. So we've not only have we got to house them... ...we've got to put bedding in there... ...we've got to put linen... ...we've got to put catering facilities... ...there've got to be beds there... ...you know, there's a whole host of things... ...that we've got to do there... ...to make it for a Games Village. Now also, on top of that... ...as you, you're probably aware... ...that the government have invested a lot... ...in a lots of new sports facilities... Obviously, this was initiated um, with to, to do with the football have you know buying the Victoria Stadium, so it's sort of a that was an impetus really to start developing all the new sports venues so at Lathbury we're having a new athletics track uh, we've also got a new fifty two meter indoor pool being built there and the reason it's fifty two meters is so that we can actually in the future hold international events there. At Europa, we are having a, a big new indoor stadium. There's going to be a rugby pitch, some more football pitches. Uh, inside, we're hosting badminton on there's squash. There's lots of facilities there. Plus, of course, we're refurbishing the clay target range. And there's also a new rifle range being built. So you know there's lots out and the um bowling alley is also being refurbished as well so there's lots of things going on um and it's the the games is really the impetus for this to start and once the games are finished there's going to be a fantastic legacy of sport here and hopefully we can start setting up a um, sports tourism um, industry in gibraltar using all these new venues as well so that would be a great asset for gibraltar
0: Definitely a very important legacy as well going forward.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of the Games, is that you've always got to have some legacy. It's not... I mean, when we had it in 95, we had... People weren't really aware of the Games. They didn't understand it. That sort of... They, that then really brought it home to them. We had our Gasa swimming pool was built for the Games then. So after this Games, not, not only have we got the new sporting venues, we've also got lots of our local people being... Um, uh, made into coaches and officials, so we 're actually training those as well, so that, again that 's another legacy for the future that we have in place, a lot more coaches and officials as well
0: now to the untrained eye, looking at the sites spe- specifically at Lathbury and at Europa Point, they do look quite a long way off being finished. Will you be ready in time
1: yeah I obviously you know everybody 's i think worried about that when you look at something like that, and it does look you know, are they going to be finished? Um, I've got no concerns about Europa. They're actually putting the roof on at Europa at the moment, so um, that's, that's going to be finished in uh, May, so that will give plenty of time to put all the infrastructure inside as well. Um, the Laughbury one is, has been the hardest because they've had lots of obstacles there because the limestone's been so hard to dig out. It's taken a lot longer. Um, they are now working a lot uh, longer hours there to try and get it um, you know, dug out as quick as possible um, the athletics track and the swimming pool are due to be finished in June so hopefully that will give us enough time to, to get all the infrastructure set up as well
0: Now what about the sports themselves, I believe football's not here this year, is that simply because of space?
1: Yeah, I mean if you look in Jersey I think with the amount of teams they had there were 56 teams. I think they used about 12 different uh, football pitches. You know, it's impo- it was just impossible. You know, it, it wasn't because we didn't want football. It was just logistically not possible. But we have 10-pin bowling, which is a new sport this year, isn't it? Yeah, well, 10-pin bowling, you know, th- there is a core of 18 sports that an island can choose from. So they can choose between 12 and 14. So, um, obviously, we don't have golf <laughs> because we don't have any golf pitches here. So, um, yeah, we so we took out golf, we took out gymnastics, we took out... Um, Football, But in place, we brought back judo that has been in it before and was out again. We're bringing back uh, Tempin Bowling that was been in it once before in, in Gotland. so So they're coming back again. So, yeah, it's nice for these two sports and also table tennis. You know, we don't usually do... There's not really been a big table tennis presence in Gibraltar, but this is really... You know, um, set up the table tennis, they've got going again, they're, they're starting producing uh, a lot more new y- young kids that are playing, and so you know, it's good for that. So, it's bringing new sports to life again, shall we say.
0: Now, as far as the community is concerned, away from the athletes, um, I believe you're asking for volunteers, much like when the Olympic Games go somewhere or, or the Commonwealth Games, to help support your events. How many volunteers are you, are you looking for and what kind of jobs will you need
1: them to do? Yeah, we um, so far we've got quite a few volunteers as we've been having various days going along the way. Um, it's been quite difficult because we would really like people to volunteer all week. Um, we have to look after the athletes all week and it's very difficult when someone comes along and says well I can do two hours on Thursday night that that's all quite difficult Um, and you know we have specific jobs that we're looking for we're also having the university students that come back in the summer where the government um, you know pays them to work and they're actually going to be working with us as well so you know we're we're looking we've got quite a few so we've probably got about three or four hundred now I think one once we've got them all finalised, we might need specific types of people, um, you know, might people for security and things like that. So once we've sort of got things sorted out and finalised, we might do a more an, another drive to try to get those going as well. So um, that's coming along very nicely.
0: And what about people who might want to come and see the events?
1: Yeah, um, it would be great because all the the events um, is. Uh, open. It's f- it's free. It's uh, it's okay for anybody to come to come along, and uh, just come along. You know, we're having a um, so we say a game square in Casemate Square. That's going to be our game square every night. Hopefully, we're going to have. Um, medal presentations down there and then it's going to be a bit like summer nights there's going to be entertainment so for the whole week we just want people to come along so we want them to come to to visit the sports we want them to have a look because it's also the kids from school because it's going to be the school's going to be closed so it'll be holidays so we just really want the whole of Gibraltar to, to engage in this game and come along and see things you've never seen before.
0: I guess we're so lucky in Gibraltar aren't we because so many wonderful things do come and we have it on our doorstep we haven't got far to, to go so I, 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 certainly from my experience I imagine that the community will embrace the games when they're here
1: yeah I, I, you know, I, I do hope they will I'm sure they will once they realise what's going on I mean we're trying to do quite a lot at the moment but um, I've actually been going in schools this week and I've had a um, on Radio Gibraltar, you know, we're looking at the mascot, which is the, which is a dolphin. And, in fact, I've um, chose a dolphin specifically because we want to get our sustainability project out there. Um, we do not want to have this single-use plastic water bottles because you you imagine we've got 2,500 people, the, the, we'd, we'd end up having thousands and thousands of bottles, so we don't want to do that um you know we're all islands you know we've decided that our motto should be clean seas our future because it's very important to all us islands um, and in that respect um, NatWest International have been very good they are providing every athlete with an, an aluminium water bottle so that they can go and refill it at all the different sports venues um, so that gets away with with all of that um, plastic that we really don't want to use and they've also been providing each athlete with a bag in before it used to be plastic now that's cotton and uh, bang bangs you know that people bang when they go to venues that's not now plastic that's going to be paper so really our whole policy that we wanted to start was to look at our sustainability and look at how we're looking after our oceans and our seas because for somebody like me um, being an ex-teacher and teaching this type of things at school I think it's very very important that we we put take this in into consideration
0: well, that's it's a huge thing at the moment, isn't it, in the media and and everywhere about the fact that we need to look at, you know, plastic and and all that kind of thing. So, I guess you're you're laying the foundations for for the generation, you know, the children who are coming to see it as well of, of how to behave as far as plastic and and such likes concerned.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's so obvious. When I go to the schools and I talk to them, you know, they they, they know all about it. You know, they've been taught about it all the time. But you know, it's okay talking it. We've got to to do it. You know, we've got to make sure, I mean, okay, we separate our... Our waste here in Gibraltar, but, you know, does it really get separated when it goes over the frontier? That I'm not quite sure about. But, you know, I don't want water bottles, I don't want plastic, you know, things thrown, thrown in the sea. And to that end as well, um, our, our Minister Cortez is actually going to host a an environmental um, forum for some of the uh, VIPs from and politicians from the islands just before the games start as well, because, you know, sort of see if we can get together with some Policy for all the islands about looking after our seas for the future.
0: So it sounds like it should leave a very positive footprint, both um, biologically and in, in terms of uh, and facilities for Gibraltar and the generations going forward.
1: Yeah, with the sustainability, it's um you know we can try our best. It's a starting point. Let's say let's let's start with that. You know we try we're trying our best this time to see how far we can we can get with this, and hopefully, like we say, future generations can take this on board and do something with it. And with reference to the sporting facilities, you know this is for people for afterwards it's for the younger generation they're going to have something fantastic here you know all the islands are in envy when they came to see us last summer they can't believe the amount of money that you know the government is spending on the infrastructure for the sport here and it's going to be amazing when it's finished
0: that's linda alvarez chair of the organizing committee for the gibraltar 2019 natwest international island games My thanks to her for finding the time to speak to me, considering what a huge task lies ahead for her and her team. And if you'd like to find out more about the Games, or if you'd like to become a Games volunteer yourself, you can find a link to the Games website in the show notes for this episode. Thanks to you two for listening, and a warm welcome to any new listeners who are tuning in. It's great to have you along. You can subscribe to Gibraltar Stories on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. That means you won't miss out on any future episodes. And if you'd be kind enough to leave a review and rate the podcast, that means that more people will be able to find it in future. And let me know what you think about the podcast so far using the hashtag Gibraltar Stories perhaps you have a Gibraltar story that you'd like to share if so please do get in touch with me through the Gibraltar stories Facebook page Twitter or Instagram or send me an email to gibraltarstories@gmail.com. at gmail.com I'll be back again next week with another Gibraltar story for you until then bye for now and thanks for listening